Well, why don't we pray together as the, the children are just uh, making their way out. Heavenly Father, I thank you. My heart is so full of thanks today. You are an amazing Heavenly Father. I pray we would get to know you better today, that we would encounter you, we'd realize how real you are, you're, you're closer than even the next breath we take. You are amazing. And I just, I pray for anointing upon me to speak. I pray for anointing upon the, the ears that are hearing and listening today. Lord, that you would impact our lives. You would set us free. You would change us. And that, Lord, we would enter into the freedom that you have in Christ for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a seat. Well, I'm going to start off today by, um, by dobbing in our, our youth. So I'm talking on the father's heart for his children today. And, um, and we were talking a little bit about this actually Friday night. And I had a question, and that was, who thinks they would be a better parent than their own parents? And do you know how many hands we had go up in the roof? All of them. So the vote of confidence was amazing. Um, I left feeling wonderful. <laughs> so then we started talking about, well, what does make a good parent, a good father, a good dad, a good mom? And there was a lot of um, opinions. It seemed like it was easier for people to say, what they shouldn't do than what they should do. And out of that, it seemed to me that there was a lot of um, experiences that people have had in a, in a negative life. And maybe if I was to ask you this morning, who had, well, just for sake of interest, who had a positive experience with their parents growing up? Like, you were like, yeah. And who had a negative experience where it wasn't great? Broken home, yeah. So when we start to think about the Heavenly Father, we have all sorts of things that um, begin to enter our minds. So we, we sort of start to think about maybe how we were fathered, or maybe we weren't fathered at all, maybe we didn't have a father figure in our life. Or maybe we had many, um, and who, who was the one to connect with? There might have been a lot of stepfathers. Jesus said something really interesting. You would think maybe he would have said something like, look, my purpose for coming to, you, to the earth is to prove to all of you that I am God and that I am here. But he didn't say that. He said, my purpose for coming is to show you what the Father is like. Have any of you ever seen um, maybe like, Christian movies done in the time of Christ where they, they have the religious leaders of the day and they wear those big long robes and the head covering. Anyone seen that? Like the Pharisees of the day, what they look like? Now, did that look like someone warm and welcoming that you wanted to go and sit down with and invite out for a cup of tea or coffee? Not necessarily. Why? Because they're concept of God was not as of a father, but of a very harsh, 
law-keeping God that must be pleased. So they were, they were trying to be so perfect to demonstrate God to everyone. But Jesus said, well, I come to show you the Father. What is he like? Well, that's a good question. I mean, if we're going to have Father of the Year Award, we probably should know what a good father is like. So I want you to turn with me today to the Gospel of Luke, please. And we're going to start here. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1 because this sets the reason why Jesus said what he says next. So Luke 15, 1, it says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. Now this is a, an amazing statement. Absolutely amazing. Now I don't know that our society so much labels people anymore as oh they're the sinners of town but we probably do you know as human nature we're quite judgmental we like to look at other people and go well i'm not as bad as them um and this is what was happening the pharisees and scribes so all the religious leaders of the day would look at a tax collector someone else who was a sinner maybe they had a foul mouth some of the fishermen you know terrible tempers, and they would look at these people and they would go, oh, I don't want anything to do with you because you are one of them, that sort. You're unholy. And it says in verse 2, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So they were really, really disgusted that a religious man or a holy man would sit down in the same room as a tax collector and a sinner. They um, found that very distasteful and, and they're like, look, this practice has got to stop. You, you should not be associating with these sort of people. So verse 3 says, so he spoke this parable to them, saying, and he does the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. But I want to pick it up in verse 11 where he tells them the parable of two sons. This is such a fascinating and incredible view and insight into what the Heavenly Father is like. Listen to this. In verse 11, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. All right, firstly, this father is going against culture. Do you know, in the culture of the day, only the firstborn got the inheritance? How would you like that? What if your father had a huge estate, but because you were born second, by no fault of your own, you don't get the inheritance. It all goes to the older brother. So this is a strange request for the younger brother, to the younger son, to say to the father, can you give me my inheritance? It says he divided his livelihood between the two of them. Again, different to culture. 
that each one would have an equal amount. Ah, did any of you feel like your parents favoured a sibling over you? Do you ever have, feel like that? Put your hand out at the back door. <laughs> so sometimes it feels like the parents have a favourite. Maybe there was a, a um, personality type that they related to more than another. And it can be hard. It can be hard. But this father, he divided the, the inheritance equally. So already there's no favoritism. He loves both sons. Verse 13 says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Okay. This is a wonderful father. He didn't even get offended when his son said, I don't want to wait for you to die. I just want to have my stuff now. But I would find that very offensive. But he didn't. He loved him. He gave him half of everything that he had. But this son is looking for something he thinks is not in the father's house. He's looking for something that he thinks, oh, I don't want the restrictions of my father's house. And we've probably all heard the saying, well, not under my roof. While you live under my roof, you will do whatever it might be. So this son wants to get out from under the father's authority. He doesn't, he thinks that his true life is only going to be lived if he can get out of the father's house. That all I really need to be fulfilled, to, to find my place in this world, is to be away from my father's house. I just want to be where all my friends are. I want to do what all my mates are doing. I want to hang out with the cool kids. I don't want to be under all these restrictions that I feel like I have at the father's house. There's so much work around here. I don't want to do all this work. I want to be free. So he leaves. He doesn't have a heart of a steward. He takes all that he has and it says he wasted on extravagant living. And then verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Sometimes, sometimes it takes us getting to the point where we feel like we've got nothing left. We feel empty. We begin to question. The life he thought he wanted so bad has not turned out the way he imagined. His own will and desire has left him feeling um, empty. And now he's beginning to be in want. Something's going on in his world. All these friends he thought he had have left him now that his money is running out. All the fame he thought he wanted to pursue has gone down the drain because he didn't know how to manage what he had. He tried to be someone and something that he wasn't and now it's all coming back to haunt him because he didn't realise that all these things that he wanted actually were not who he really was. Who was he? He was actually a loved son. 
but he's behaving like an orphan, like someone without any family, like someone who has no connections, no one to love him. While he's thinking he's living his free life, he's getting emptier and emptier inside. Until he gets to this point in verse 15 and 16. It says, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He's trying to find another family. He's trying to find where he fits in. Where do I belong? And he goes to another family. But this family is not embracing. They say, sure, you can be part of us. You can feed the swine. Anyone ever been around pigs? My uncle had a piggery, which is the reason I don't eat pork to this day, because we happened to have visited him in um, a mouse play. And the, the mice running everywhere and the pigs and the, oh, and the smell. People go, oh, beautiful roast pork. And I'm like, mm, it's great, isn't it? Oh, because I'm right there in my uncle's piggery with all the mice that literally were running over our feet. I was screaming and dancing. and It wasn't like a dance of joy, I can tell you. Um, anyway, my impression of feeding pigs is not great. And I don't know what his experience was like, but it doesn't say that they gave him anything. Because what it does say in verse 16 is he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. So, yeah, you can join our family, but you have to feed the pigs and you can't sit at the table with us because you smell like them now. So you can eat outside. And, oh, sorry, we served up everything for dinner and there wasn't really anything left over. So um, can you just find your own dinner? That would be great. There was, there was no love. There was no acceptance. He's looking at half-chewed-on corn cobs going, man, those pigs eat well. That looks so good. He's, he's totally empty. And what he thought he needed to be fulfilled is the very thing that he's suddenly realising has made him empty. His father always fed him at the table. It wasn't a question of if he was welcome. He was always allowed to partake of the family meals. He was included. In the father's house, he was accepted. He was wanted. It says in verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, we're going to act this out. I'm going to ask Alison, the, the, this one sitting closest to the end, yes. Can you please open those um, curtains for me? Alex's going to be my prodigal son. So 
Alec, I need you to go right out here through the glass doors because the scripture says he was a far way off. Now, I'm going to get Marcus to be the dad in this story, all right? Now, what it says was when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. So here's the father, and he's looking out to see if the son's coming home. The father saw him and had compassion. And okay, so come on, you're coming home now, prodigal son, come on in. Oh, it's scary. You come up this way. The father saw him, and it said he had compassion. And what did he do? He ran. He ran to meet him. <laughs> already restoring him. He's already saying, hey, 
you're my son. Why do you dress like that for? You smell like pigs. Come here. Let's put a beautiful new robe on you. And what? Your feet are all cracked and dry and broken and dusty. And come on, let's clean those feet up and put brand new sandals on his feet. And oh, son, you are so skinny. I can feel every rib. Kill the fatted calf. Come on, we got to put some meat on his bones. And I want you to bring my signet ring with the family crest and our symbol of authority. And I want you to put that ring on his finger. I want him to be restored as a son in the house. You know, to be restored, something had to pay the price for that prodigal son's wasteful living, his poor choices, all the mistakes he made. He was right when he said, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. Indeed, his sin was great. But verse 23 tells us that the fatted calf was slain for the prodigal son. You know, we all owe a sin debt to our Heavenly Father that we could never, ever, ever pay. We've all decided to do our own will and our own way. And somebody had to pay our $400,000 fine. Somebody had to pay for that. It was another son, an only begotten son, the only one there was, who was so close to the father that they are like they are one. And the father gave his perfect, only begotten son for all of the prodigals of the world to pay our sin debt. This is the heart of the father. I can guarantee you every religious leader of that day would never have seen a demonstration of love and compassion and forgiveness like the one Jesus is mentioning here. They definitely would have never seen the demonstration we saw. <laughs> it wasn't done. You do bad, you get bad. You do good, you get good. You take an eye, you have to give an eye. If you break someone's tooth, they can break your tooth. That's how it works. This is this is crazy, Jesus. He's demonstrating to them the heart of the Father for every prodigal to be restored. And what is it that restored the son? You see, the father didn't care about the possessions. He cared about the relationship. He had so many servants, he didn't need another servant. He wanted a relationship with his son. And when you think about coming to God, I don't know what image of a father in heaven you have. But I can tell you, he's not sitting up there going, well, about time you showed up. How about you give an account for all of the things you've done? I've had my spies out, I already know, so don't forget anything. <laughs> he doesn't say that. The heavenly father is looking at his children, trying to find out who they are in a crazy world and finding that they're getting emptier and emptier. And it says when the son was afar off, the father was watching him 
cared about. He didn't care about the money. He didn't care about the possessions. He didn't care what he'd done. It didn't matter. He wanted his family. And so he was willing to bankrupt heaven and give his only begotten son as the Lamb of God because he wants you and his family. He doesn't care about what you've done. He doesn't care about how far away you've strayed. He doesn't care. He just wants to see your face looking at him. Daddy, Daddy, I'm sorry. I forgive you. I restore you. Do you know, it says he has garments of praise and robes of righteousness that he wants to put on us. He wants to cleanse our filthy feet. He wants to totally restore us and give you authority in his house with a ring on your finger. Can you imagine that? God wants to share his authority with you. Amazing. I think there was something else though. As we read this story, there was another son that the father was longing to be with as well. In verse 24, it says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Do you know it says that when one sinner comes to the Lord, that heaven rejoices. There's great rejoicing in heaven. Now, I reckon there's some skilled angels up there who can play some instruments. I'm imagining that they can do more than just think, think, think on the piano. I think when he says they rejoice and they party and they celebrate in heaven, it's like, okay, Gabriel, pick us up a tune. All right. And the harp comes out, and the, the another angel over here on the bongos going, hallelujah, and it's a party. They know how to party up there. This is what was happening. Their father's house had the sound of joy again because the one that was lost was home. Finally. And in verse 25, it says, now his older brother was in the field, and he came and drew near the house and heard music and dancing. You know the flared nostrils? Horses do it really well. And he called one of the servants and said, hey, hey, what's going on in there? Oh, didn't you hear? Your brother came home. My brother? Yeah, yeah, he came home and your dad like killed the fatted calf and we're having a party. Come on in. There's even like Maltesers, it's awesome. And he goes, Maltesers, they're my favourite. And he's like, and he said to him, sorry, verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Again, the father is coming out to another son. But this is an angry son. Oh. Even recently, I've had times where I have felt angry with God. I wonder if anyone else in this room has ever felt angry at God. Has anyone ever been angry at God? Are you willing to admit it? Yeah. Because 
from our perspective. How come I did this and I haven't gotten that? How come I prayed for this and that hasn't happened? How come you allowed that horrible event in my life? How come you're not living up to your promises? You're not being the kind of father I thought you would be. How come this and that? And you can become so angry. He was so angry at his father. He couldn't understand his father's heart. So he answered in verse 29 and said to the father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. I don't, I don't want to say it's just men who do exaggerating, because I'm sure women are sometimes guilty. But have you ever met anyone who's always 100% done everything their parent has told them to do every time? But this guy has a very grand view of himself. He's like, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. Oh. Wow. Perfect son. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is quite remarkable. He said, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Now, at the very start of the story, it did say he divided his possessions between the two. So whose young goat was it that he could have killed for a party? It was already his. Oh, listen to the venom coming out of this guy in verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours came, he doesn't even say my brother. He's totally like disowned him. This son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. Well, how does he know that? Did he go in and talk to the brother? Did he say, hey, what did you spend your money on? He doesn't know. He's presuming. He says, you killed the fatted calf for him. I have to say that the second son, for all of his goodness, had no relationship with the father any more than the first who ran away. The second son really didn't understand his father's house either. He thought his life was to be restricted and controlled and hard work and all day, every day, all he did was everything for the father. He didn't even appreciate the fact that he was in this amazing home full of love because he didn't receive any of the love. He said, I have served you all these years. Well, as a daughter, I like to do things for my parents, well, I did when they were here, but... I didn't do it because I was their servant. Our children, though some days it would be handy, but our children are not our servants. They're family. And it's a different, yet his mentality was just that you had to serve the father. That was how 
you had to get ahead in life. That was what he required. The father had servants. Remember, he didn't want more servants. He just wanted sons. And so he's, he's, he's looking at the anger and the bitterness in this other son who's just as distant from him, maybe more so than the one who actually went a physical distance. Because even though he's in the father's house, he has no relationship with the father. He just works and works and works for God. You know, many people think Christianity is a whole list of rules and a whole list of stuff you've got to do. I remember a friend of mine in school. She said to me one day, Anita, I've decided I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. I said, well, that's really sad. Why is that? She said, well, I just can't do it. I keep failing. I'm not good enough. And really, that is the whole concept that many people have. They think that being a Christian is like any other religion. It's a whole list of do's and don'ts. What you have to do and not have to do. And you've got to do this and got to do that. And then God will be pleased with you. It's great to please the Father. But not if it's coming out of a heart like this son. Because there was no relationship there. And Christianity is all about relationship with a loving, glorious, heavenly Father. Look at the Father's response in verse 32. He says, sorry, 31, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost. And it's found. I find it interesting when I begin to think about passages of scripture that display the heart of God as a father for us. I found some amazing ones in the Old Testament that if the Pharisees and scribes, they could have had this kind of understanding of God, but they chose to dwell on the harsh laws and they miss the heart of the Father. I want to read to you Exodus 19. So the story of Exodus is about a whole nation of people called the Israelites who were set free from bondage and fear and slavery. And they were brought out of slavery and into a free place to serve their God. Exodus 19, verse 4, God is saying this through Moses to the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God's view and understanding of what he did when he rescued his people from the bondage of slavery to Pharaoh was that he bore them on eagles' wings. Have you guys actually seen an eagle? Who's seen an eagle in real life? Yeah? Have you seen it in flight? Can you imagine hanging on to those eagle's wings and being carried, lifted? <sighs> he said, I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. That was God's heart for setting his people free from Egypt from Pharaoh, from tyranny, from slavery. It was to be brought 
close to himself. This is the heart of the Father for each of us. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, I'm going to go there quickly. It says this, The Lord appeared, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt, O Virgin of Israel. I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is the Father heart of our God. He loves you on your worst day. He loves you on your best day. I've loved you with an everlasting love. It never, ever, ever, ever runs out. God never has a bad day. He never gets up out of bed in the morning and says, don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Because God, it says, doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He never rests. He's always watching us, waiting for that opportunity to connect with us, to draw us in. I've loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I have drawn you. These little ones, you know what you want to do with a, a baby? You don't want to hold it out like this, do you? What do you want to do? And bring it in close. That's what our Heavenly Father wants to do to us. He wants to bring us in close when we can hear his heartbeat. My daughter has a new kitten called Samuel. Samuel is beautiful. He's a really gorgeous, handsome little boy. Little kitten. But Samuel has so much fear. He wasn't handled until he was six weeks old and he's not used to being close yet. And God is teaching me so much through watching this little kitten. We have a big house, we've been blessed. He has a whole house he could explore. But his fear often keeps him in Melody's room. And he'll timidly look around the door and not want to enter into all that we have for him. We'll, we'll want to pat him and, and he's still not sure if we're okay. So he goes, <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, Samuel, I love you. <laughs> Go, oh, are you growling at me? <laughs> you know, but bit by bit, he's slowly getting to know us more and realising that we can be trusted. Particularly Melody, he'll come and sit right here on your neck. Hey, that's his favourite spot, he sits right here. And God's been teaching me a lot through this kitten. You know, sometimes I think because we don't know God, we don't know his heart, we, we go, oh, I don't know if I want to come any closer to you. You might, you might hurt me. You might take away all my fun. You might... You might have ideas for me that I don't want to be a part of. I, I'm just going <laughs> to... Get closer. <laughs> and, then, and then he'll say something kind like, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And it's like that little stroke we give to Samuel. It's like, hey, it's right. It's like, oh, you love me. <laughs> On what condition? <laughs> but really... 
if we could just capture his heart, if we could just understand his heart, we would run just like that son and that just like that father. We would literally run and jump into our father's arms if we could just understand the depth of his love for us. It's so amazing. I want to finish with some verses out of Isaiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, I'm going to go back on. Um, I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. And it says this. Again, talking ah, about our wonderful daddy God. He will feed his flock like a shepherd and will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. What a beautiful picture of our God as a shepherd, as a loving heavenly father that not just gathers the lambs, but it says then he will carry them in his bosom. Wow. That's what he has for us. Isaiah 41, 9 to 10 says this, You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then in verse 13, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. This is the kind of father we have. And my last verse is Isaiah 43, verse 1. And it says this, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That's what he wants for us this morning. I want to just play, uh, Melody, I've got a video there. Um, if we could just hit the lights, thank you. I want to finish with this and then I'm going to come and pray for you. If you just look at the screen.
when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That word in Hebrew, Abba, is our word for daddy. God wants your heart to connect with him in such a way that you can say, Daddy, 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 Father, Daddy, Father. He hears every broken cry. He hears every sigh, every groan. He hears everything. He even knows the anger, the frustration, the disappointments. He sees, he knows it all. And today he's inviting you into a beautiful relationship with him. With your Abba, with your daddy, father. Daddy. I believe God wants to heal broken hearts today. I believe he wants to restore lives that have just been wasted like the prodigal son. I believe he has so much for you in this room today. He wants you to know him as Father. He's not looking at you with eyes of condemnation. He's looking at you with eyes of pure love. And he has his arms extended this morning saying, come. Every prodigal, come. Do you know what it says in Ephesians? He wants you to come and he wants you to sit in heavenly places with Christ. Be seated where he is. He's right next to the Father. Right next to him. He wants to make you a son and a daughter. He wants to adopt you into his family. Would you stand to your feet with me today? If you're in this room, and you would like to not be an orphan anymore. You would like to come home to a Heavenly Father who loves you more than we could ever comprehend. I want to give you an invitation. I'm just going to ask people to bow their heads just in reverence of this moment. Because I believe, just like Alec came running through those doors and the Father came running to me, I believe today the Father wants to run and meet you right where you're at. You don't need to change a thing. Just come. And he will do the rest in you, through you, by his Holy Spirit. If you're here and you say, Anita, that's me. I'm like that prodigal son. I want to come home. I want to be loved by a heavenly father. I just want you to raise your hand today because I'd love to pray with you. I would love to join this special, special moment. For those watching online, you can symbolically raise your hand at home too. God sees you. He knows. He knows. Anita, that's me. Raise your hand. Maybe some of you have actually been 
not physically looking like you're away from God, but in your heart, maybe you've been running and searching for something and you just feel empty. It's time to come home. It's time to surrender. He, he wants to clothe you with a beautiful robe. Celebrate your return. That's his time. One more time. So anyone else who wants to join, just raise your hand. Even that's me. I want to be included. I want to come home. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray today together. Just say these words after me. Daddy, Father, I'm so sorry. Forgive me my sin. Cleanse me. Make me your child. I choose to come home and follow you. Be your disciple. Be a son and daughter. I want to pray for those this morning who've been trapped in a cycle of trying to serve God and you've lost all love for God. <coughs> you've been trying and trying and trying to please Him and, and earn His favor. But today He wants to set you free too. You can just be a son, you don't have to be a servant. You don't have to be so angry anymore, you can let and you can enter into the same heart of the Father for you. That heart of love. If that's you, I want you to raise your hands. I want to pray for you as well. Thank you. Thank you, God. Well, I just lift up the people to you. I pray, Lord, that uh, when we've had understanding of you that's not right, where we've seen you as a harsh father that we would understand your love today that we would realize that you have paid a high price so we could be adopted and you're inviting us into a deeper relationship with you one filled with loving kindness Lord impact our hearts with the love of the father today I pray in the name of Jesus You know, the Bible says he's a good, good father. And we say it, don't we? God is good. And all the time. But it's true. He's a good father. And as you allow him to fill you with his goodness and his love, I can tell you, your world will explode with color. <laughs> it will be like you're truly alive. Like you're living for the first time. So go. Go with this love of your father and be blessed this week. Be encouraged. Hey, I do want to say thank you. Last week I said, text each other scriptures or encouragement if something's happened. Hey, God did this for me. Even if it's small. Or if there was a verse you were reading, you went, oh, check this out. This means a lot. You did that. I got so many text messages this week. It was so awesome. Not last week gone, sorry. I, and people sharing what God was doing in their life. It's so encouraging. Why don't we do that again? If you've got someone's number and God's even just given you just a small little morsel of fresh bread from his word, why don't you share it with someone this week? You, you just don't know how much of an encouragement that might be. So 
go. That's my two cents. And my five dollars worth too. <laughs>